Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. It's a Friday evening here and I've just been down to Lidl to pick myself up some Session IPA. Steam brew. So I've just poured myself a glass of that. I've got everything set up in front of me and I hope everyone's well and everyone's had a good week. So I've had a busy one, both personally and business-wise, but on a personal note, it started fairly poorly. Let me just try this actually. Oh, that's good. Okay, so it started fairly badly. I went over to see a friend of mine on Saturday. So I rode the Bonneville over into London, had a lovely afternoon, kind of semi-barbecue type thing. I was riding back and it's a 20 mile an hour limit. And it's, there's a bus lane. There's a bus lane that's not allowed for bikes. So I was kind of straddling the heavy traffic and the bus lane so I could just weave through the traffic. And it was a 20 mile an hour limit. And I was just in a world of my own doing about 31. In fact, I may even have been doing a little bit more, doing about 31. And then in the distance, I saw a policeman with a speed gun in his hand pointing directly at me. And I thought, oh no, and he started waving. And I just hoped he was waving at the car next to me. And he was waving both myself and the car pulled over. And then he waved the car off and pulled me over. And my heart just sank because I actually thought I may have been doing a little bit faster than 31, but he pulled me over, said, did you know you've been doing 31? I said, no, sorry. And he took all of my details and said, right, you'll get your fine or points, or you'll be allowed to do a driver awareness course. And it's the first time in 18 years that I've got caught speeding. And actually I had my license taken away from me when I was 18 years old because I got caught twice in the first two years. So I, I had a bit of a shiver when I was pulled over because I've got some really bad memories of that. So I've only just got yesterday the letter in the post. So I rode off, the policeman waved me off, very nice, as pretty much all of the police are in the UK, lovely people. I rode off home and I just got the letter yesterday, about five days later, and I was incredibly lucky because for one, I've been allowed to do the driver or rider awareness course, which basically means that I won't get any points on my license. I just have to do what's usually a one day course. Last time I did it was two days actually, but usually a one day course where they teach you how to be a better driver or rider. But because of COVID, I don't have to go to the location. I don't have to drive for about an hour to get somewhere, spend a whole day in a class from learning about why speeding's dangerous. Instead, it's just a two and a half hour online driver awareness course at 8 a.m. in about two weeks time. So all I have to do is log on to their software, listen to someone telling me that I'm a dangerous driver and that's it. And I am over the moon, over the moon with it. I couldn't have been more lucky really. So so that's that. No points in my license. I don't need to call up the insurance company and have a double sized premium next year. But I was freaking out a bit actually because I started Googling what happens because someone messaged me and they said, you know that because you're over 50% over the limit, uh, it may be a significantly worse fine and you may not be allowed to do driver awareness. So I, I started looking online and I didn't realize this, but fines can be fairly bad if you're caught speeding. They can be 
I think, if I'm right, looking at it in the UK, up to two and a half, sorry, up to 2.5K or up to 100% of your weekly income. So up to two and a half thousand or, or the whole lot, the whole lot of your weekly income. That is a lot of money. So, so yeah, I kind of had in mind that I was going to be in a lot of trouble. So brilliant. And I've got two weeks time to mentally get ready to do the the online course. So huge result for me, huge result. Just moving on now, the charger. You remember I had my nervous breakdown with the live wire and its charging situation. Well, the charger's downstairs. The charger's downstairs at Little. We've got a little downstairs, two BP Polar chargers. They're only about two years old. Both of them broke the day before I got the live wire and that was two and a half weeks ago. So both of them broke the day before and guess what? Neither of them are working still. Both are still broken. And that is the exact problem with the UK network. Imagine a petrol station being broken and out of action for two and a half weeks, but for some reason it's okay with electric vehicles and electric charging. Not good enough at all. And I got some gear through this week and this isn't sponsored or anything. It's just when I when I get something and I think it's it's a really it's a really good deal. I do like to share that. And that is a package from RST. And RST Moto is a British company. They sell motorcycle gear. I've got a pair of jeans, really nice black, slim fit Kevlar biking jeans with knee pads and pockets for the hip armor as well. I also got a riding shirt from RST. So a pair of boots and gloves, all nice, all proper cafe racer, lifestyle type gear, but with all of the protection, looks the business. The jeans, £130, the jacket, £150, the boots, £130, and the gloves, and the gloves £40. I've actually, I calculated it, I've got riding shirts that are more expensive than all of those things put together. So if you're in the market for some really nice, good value riding gear, go to RST's website and you'll get some brilliant, brilliant deals with their new 2021 range. They look the business, great value, my kind of stuff. And I went on Monday to see a couple of guys. One has a Harley Davidson, I think it's the Breakout. That's it, the Harley Davidson Breakout. And the other has a Triumph Speed a Street Triple. And when I saw this brand new 2021 Harley Breakout, it did get me thinking. You know, this guy pulls up on the Breakout, looks the business, open face helmet, proper cruiser. And these Harleys, they really do something for me. I just absolutely love these, these real Harley cruisers. You know, for me, what a Harley should be. And it just gets me so excited seeing these bikes. And I realized just after having the live wire, it just, it just didn't stir the senses, you know. It didn't get me going like, like one of these really nice characterful cruisers. And actually, funnily enough, the live wire week and a half on it's not the type of bike that for me personally i miss and just seeing that breakout which of course is it's about ten thousand pounds cheaper than the live wire it just kind of reconfirmed in my mind that the live wire it's it's just 
it's just not a bike that gets me excited and I, I just love seeing that breakout. Such a nice bike. And also actually seeing the Street Twin 675cc triple engine. Oh, I love those bikes. They are really, really good bikes. If you're on the market for a, just a ridiculously fun bike, check out around about the 2011 model triumph street triple i think you can probably get them under 4k now and that's a superb superb bike really really good and i think yeah that's it that's an update for what i've been up to this week overall a brilliant week i haven't got a big fine i haven't got any points in my license and well i don't have the live wire to worry about the charging situation anymore and we move on kind of from the live wire actually and I keep doing this but it's so interesting I move on to electric bikes and I'll try and keep it brief because I know I always always end up falling back to that you'd think it's an electric bike show but that's something that's different to the Harley and bear with me while I just have one more sip of this IPA and that is a possible solution to just the awful, awful experiences that I had with the Livewire. Swappable batteries. This is very interesting because when I had the Livewire, a few people said to me, the only option to get electric cars and motorbikes to work properly is swappable batteries. But they must be universal because you can't go to a petrol station, which may turn into a battery station in the future, and there be... 15,000 different batteries for each different model. It just doesn't work. The only possible way, the only way for this to work is if they're completely interchangeable and universal. So the same battery in a Bentley as a Ford Fiesta. That's the only possible way it will work. And that's exactly what is going to happen. Yamaha, Honda, KTM, Moto Guzzi and Aprilia have all agreed to make all of their batteries interchangeable. Now, don't get too excited because not one of these companies actually has an electric motorbike, but it looks like these swappable batteries or these companies, they formed a swappable batteries consortium and that was start in May 2021. So literally any day now, but it will take a few years before these standardized batteries appear. But that's exciting and that could be a step in the right direction, but so much can change you know if this is coming in a few years time it's almost nothing to get excited about because it's just such a long way away so much changes we, we don't even know what's going to happen within the next year the way things are evolving so let's see if it actually happens but that's potentially quite interesting and something that I actually think would make sense you just have to figure out how you go to a petrol station so you you give your battery to the attendant at the petrol station, they quickly take it off, you run back, put that old battery on charge so it's ready for the next person and give you the next one. I guess it could work, could potentially work. And something that saddens me, and actually I've been reading about this in this month's issue of Bike Magazine, which is one of my favorite bike magazines. And this is just something I can't believe. The Honda Cub has just come out. It's only just come out in Europe and in the UK. And I, I spoke about it one or two episodes ago. Beautiful looking retro bike, amazing looking bike, exactly the type of thing that 
that we need in, in Europe, in the UK, in the world. It looks amazing. But it's been discontinued because of Euro 5, a little 125cc scooter. It's only just come out a year or two ago, and it's now been even a year, maybe one year it's been released. Big launch in the UK, really attractive finance deals. And I've just found out, literally breaking news, it's been discontinued due to Euro 5. For one, God, we're, we're losing out on a lot of really nice bikes here. But for two, it's only a 125. How can Honda not make a little Cub 125cc bike Euro 5? And surely Honda knew when they're releasing the Euro 5 that Euro 5's, uh, when they're releasing the Honda Cub, that the Euro 5's coming. Why, why did they not plan for that? Why didn't Honda plan for that? They've lost so many good bikes in Europe. I was talking about the CB1100, gone. There's another one that I forget the name, so I'm not too up with the Honda bikes, gone. The, the Cub, gone. They're not going to have any bikes left by the time this ends. And it's just like the Suzuki Jimny, a brilliant, brilliant little 4x4. These look amazing, and they were so popular in the UK when they came out, I think it's maybe four years ago, that actually, for one, there was a waiting list, and also, people were paying a premium for second-hand ones. You could buy a two-year-old Jimny, and it would cost more than the list price on the website. So they came out, been out for about three or four years, hugely popular, Suzuki can't make them fast enough, and of course, that's gone because of Euro 5 as well. It's just such a shame when you lose these characterful vehicles. But that's where we are. So there you go. There's another one. Honda Cub gone. Now this is something everyone, everyone in the biking community is talking about. And it's, it's not my exact kind of bike, but I appreciate, I appreciate a good bike. So it's the Harley Davidson Pan America. And everyone seems to be raving about this. And a lot of people are saying that this is a real, real competitor for the BMW GS. And actually looking at it, just flicking through my bike magazine, it's a good looking bike. As adventure bikes go, it looks nice. They've done a good job. The specs are interesting as well. One thing that almost blows my mind, the Harley Davidson Pan America never needs valve clearance checks or adjustments. And everything from this article is from this episode of Bike Magazine. You never need to do a valve clearance or check or adjustment, anything at all on the Harley Davidson Pan America because it's done automatically by hydraulics. I've never heard anything like it, that's brilliant. Base model in the UK, 14,000 pounds and it's lighter than the BMW GS and it's got more horsepower than the base model GS. It's got 150 horsepower. So 14,000 pounds, 150 horsepower and lighter than the GS. The GS, comparatively, 14,895 pounds, so almost 15,000 pounds and 136 horsepower. Now this Harley looks... It looks good and it's getting rave reviews at the moment from people who know what a good adventure bike is, which definitely isn't me. But I saw something that's quite interesting because you could believe that, oh wow, Harley have made, they've made a great looking adventure bike. This is going to be a sales success. But just listen 
to every single time Harley Davidson try to enter a new market because they're constantly trying to get into new markets to broaden their fan base, you know, to keep the money ticking over because cruisers, they're going in and out of fashion a little bit and Harley Davidson is incredibly one-dimensional and I'm a huge Harley fan, but they, they've tried many times to get into different areas and have a listen to this. We start with Buell, where Harley-Davidson invested 49%, invested into 49% of the company in 1993. They then went and actually, let me just check that. So they bought 49% of the company in 1993, and then they bought it outright, just making sure I've got the facts right. They bought the company outright in 2003. They completely bought Buell. And then production completely ended in 2009. And that was the end of it. Absolute failure in the end. We then move on to the Harley-Davidson V-Rod. That was another bike that was released in 2001. Discontinued in 2017. Never really worked out. Then the Harley-Davidson XR1200. Which is a sportster with a little bit more of a sporting element. Came in 2008. Discontinued five years later. Then MV Augusta. In 2008, Harley invested 40 million euros in the Italian sports bike brand and they bailed out one year later after a massive, massive financial loss. And then recently, the Harley-Davidson Street Range, they were the 5750 streets. They came out in 2014, discontinued six years later. So don't think that just because they've made a decent adventure bike that it's actually going to be a success because they do not have a good history of getting into new markets. Bike of the week. So I had to think about this. Let me try and find everyone here a really good bike of the week. And it's something that... I want to think a bit differently. Forget about Triumphs, Harleys, BMW, BMWs. Let's think of something completely different. And I think I found something here. It's a year 2000 Yamaha XJR1300. This is an absolute beast of a bike. It's, how would you describe it? I guess you'd des describe it borderline, borderline kind of modern classic it's roadster style kind of think italian uh, italian think japanese 20 year old japanese version of the the bmw r9t that type of thing single head like beast of a bike japanese 1300 engine 17 or 17 75 000 miles on this one 75 000 miles private seller and he says it's or she the seller says it's very reliable and the price is £2,750. And that is a really, really tempting deal. I remember looking at some of these probably three years ago, and they were always out of my price range. But if one came along at £2,750 when I was looking at it, I'd be quite tempted. Go on to Auto Trader, UK Auto Trader, if you're keen on that. But that's a Yamaha XJR 1300, 75,000 miles. See, there you go. High mileage, get a bargain, 2,750 pounds. And I think you can probably make that into a little bit of a beast if you want to do some modifications on that. 
Question time. This is something I like to start off with. Someone asked me, what are the closest genes, the closest motorcycle riding genes, protective riding genes, closest thing to Levi's? Okay, so the, the, the denim has to be similar to Levi's. This is what I'm going to narrow it down to from all the jeans I've tried. The denim has to feel similar. The fit has to be that nice Levi's slim fit all the way down with a slightly tapered, tapered uh, ankle at the bottom. And they have to be a very slim profile, so not too bulky with no obvious zips or armor pockets. And there are two pairs of jeans I've got that are people actually are often confused for and often confuse with Levi's. And that is the Broga Moto California riding jeans. Now that's a Polish company and they make superb, superb value, really nice fitting motorcycle clothing. And their California riding jeans in black, they genuinely really do look like look like Levi's and I think they're only about 150 pounds. I highly recommend those jeans. The other one would be, so they're 150. The other one's way up at the higher end of the spectrum, but very good pair of jeans. That's actually a single layer pair of jeans. And that is the Rocker, which is a Swiss company, Rocker, Rocker Tech Slim Tapered Black Jeans. They're closer to 330 pounds, but they genuinely look like Levi's slim fit. Forget about nice looking riding jeans. These are seriously nice looking jeans, full stop. So those two are the closest things to riding jeans. And actually, going on from jeans, Hood Jeans, British company that I'm a big fan of for AAA rated, the highest safety rating you can get. Their new SK... I think if I've got it right, SK11 jeans, which are their new slim fit jean. Anyway, if you go on the website, their new slim fit jean comes out May the 5th. And they've got the absolute highest level of safety rating you can possibly get. It's been a long time coming, this pair of jeans. So go and check them out as well if you're in the market. Sports bike riders. Here we go. I actually had three, three messages Excuse me, just one more sip. Ah, sports bike riders. Three messages this week. How can we get, it doesn't have to be a quad lock, but how can we get a nice looking phone mount onto our sports bikes because they don't have the handlebars? So if you have a modern classic, for example, it's easy. You've got a handlebar, you can clamp on your your nice elegant phone holder and it's easy but I know this situation because I used to have a bike with uh, with a yoke and no bars it was an old Suzuki RF and it was impossible completely impossible to mount a phone or any type of sat nav it's a real real problem and I've got a friend who's who's got the same problem as well it's a huge problem but I think this week I found the solution because I bought a RAM mount, R-A-M. So what RAM are very good at is providing and creating lots of different attachments for you to, to mount your phone with. So you can have a yoke adapter, so it, it kind of screws into the yoke of your handlebars. You can have it, of course, on the handlebars. 
But the key is for sports bike riders and cafe racer riders who need to use the yoke as an attachment for their, their phone, this RAM mountain can be the solution because you can buy an attachment from RAM that will attach to your yoke and then it will have the, the ball joint. So the ball joint holder it will have and then you can attach a quad lock ball mount. So it's a quad lock ball mount if you go onto their website. So what you do, go onto RAM and you buy a yoke adapter with a ball adapter attached. I, I actually bought one, it's 36 pounds just to see if it would work. And then you buy the quad lock ball adapter phone, phone mount and you just attach the quad lock ball adapter phone mount onto the RAM mount and there you go. That should be your solution to having your phone or your sat nav attached to your sports bike or cafe racer bike. I've tried it with the RAM mounts and it does work very well. Uh, here we go, next one. Indian Scout, FTR, my thoughts. Unfortunately, I've got no thoughts because I've never ridden it, apart from the fact that this looks like one of the coolest bikes on the market at the moment. It's not cheap, I think, if I remember about 13.5K, but wow, if you're looking for kind of something left field or something completely different that almost no one has, I, I just never ever see these. Indian Motorcycle Scout FTR. This is a beast of a bike. I don't even know how to really describe it. I do know someone actually messaged me saying they sold their BMW R9T this week and replaced it with an Indian Scout FTR. It's 123 horsepower, 1200cc. It's got touchscreen, lean angle stability control. You wouldn't think of that from an Indian bike. Um, and they look absolutely brilliant. It's a bike that I really want to try and test out. So if I'm lucky enough to test it, I will and I'll feed back to you. But that looks like one of the coolest bikes on the market. And that wraps it up very nicely for today. Thank you so much for listening. Please do, actually, please do message me or give me an email if you have any questions or any topics you'd like me to cover. dob.bs at outlook.com. You can also follow me on YouTube, which is Freddie Dobbs, and Instagram at dob.bs. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend wherever you are, and I'll see you in the next one.